John chapter 9, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And this first little detail is in itself, there's a whole story behind this. So the way they saw the world, and you may know this well, but the way they saw the world was, if somebody had a huge problem going on in their life, obviously it was somebody's fault. Okay? Life never just happened. There was always a reason. And some of you think the same thing. I know, because sometimes you try to encourage each other in a way that isn't really encouraging, but you think so. By telling people, well, it's all just God's plan. Right? You ever heard that phrase? Would you mind kicking it to the curb, please? Because not everything that happens is in God's plan. And I know if you if you were raised a Calvinist, you just labeled me a heretic, but that's fine. Because I'm going by Scripture... Not by Calvin. Anyway, oh, now I've really stepped on toes, but there I am. Anyway, it will happen. What, what we sometimes say, we don't think about the ramifications of. If everything is God's will, then that means that every bit of fallenness, God decided ought to be in your life. Do you believe that's true? No, of course not. Do you not do yourself things that are against God's will? Oh man, did I just call the whole congregation to confess right here in front of it? Yes, you do. You do. It's not just me and the mouse in my pocket. You also do things that are against God's will. Things happen against God's will all the time. There is not one death that has ever happened that was a part of God's original will. Have you ever thought about that? You know how I can make such a bold statement? I mean, there are people where God has later said... Mm, I think you ought to go. And that's happened. The flood. But even that was not a part of His original will. God's will is life. God's will was the perfection of the garden in which there was no death, there was no disease, there was no blindness, there was no rebellion, there was no sin. That was His will. The rebellion of Adam and Eve and all that came as a consequence was against God's will and yet had to happen. Now, that's, that's kind of getting into some things that people have debated for thousands of years. But, but there you are. Not everything that happens is God's will. And it's not much of a comfort to, to, to say to people, well, you know, I guess that's the, the Lord's will. No. I told you all about my neighbor when I was a kid whose father died when he was a little boy and his priest told him, well, it was the Lord's will. And this little boy struggled for decades after that because all he could ask was, why, why on earth would it be his will to take my dad that way? Died of cancer. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. Life is God's will. And if we will work from that understanding, it changes the way we start to see everything else. For one, we stop blaming God for what the devil has done. We stop blaming God for what is the consequence sometimes of our poor choices. We stop blaming God for the works of evil men. We stop asking questions like, well, if God is so good, why are there wars? There are wars because there are rebellious people acting against God's will. That's why there are wars. If there's a loving God, why are there people starving? Because of greed and corruption. There's enough food in the world to feed everybody several times over. 
The only reason there's starving people in the world is because of corruption in governments, business, on individual level. That's the only reason that anybody ever dies of starvation. Every death of starvation in the world is not evidence against a loving God, but against an unloving people. And we don't want to deal with that. We don't want to deal with that. But we can, we can then decide, well then, if, if bad things are the result of bad people, then any bad thing is also the result of a bad person. Oh man, did I lay that trap well? There it is. And so then we, we do what they did. And we say, well then, somebody must have done it. But then there's another part of life that we don't want to talk about. We live in a fallen world. And part of that fallenness is disease and decay. And that disease and decay can happen at the level of even genetics and DNA to where people are born with marks of our fallenness. Not guilt, not original sin. Don't, don't take what I just said the wrong way, because I could hear that. But marks of our fallenness, just things that are consequences of a now imperfect creation, a corrupted creation. And some of those things have nothing to do with right and wrong. They are the, just the marks of, of corruption and decay. And I mean that corruption not in moral terms, but more in thermodynamic type terms. This world is decaying and breaking down and things go wrong. All a result of the fall and the, the imperfection that came with it. And because of that, you have people who are born with uh, sometimes just problems. He was born blind. Nobody's fault. Nobody's sin. Now, I'm not making that up. Jesus is going to tell us this here in just a second. If you're not familiar with the story, I'm not making that up. Jesus says so. It wasn't the result of anyone's immediate in his I just stepped on my shoestring, I got distracted. Uh, not, I've told you all for years, one of these days I'm going off of this thing because I stand right up here. This could be the day. Now I got your attention. You all just pay attention. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to leave it untied, just to keep you in suspense. We'll see what happens. The, there's more than one ways for a preacher to keep you from getting too bored. So anyway, we won't do all of those. Ain't nobody got time for that. All right. When you... Uh... Now, who threw me off like that? Was the shoestring? Who, who, who did that? Debbie, you did? Is that what you said? My shoestring did. Anyway, people are born blind. <laughs> let's go back. Let's go back. It's all a result, you know, of all those things. So let's just dive into what they said. So these guys, they see this and they start asking the question, Rabbi, who sinned? Because we've got to find somebody to blame. That's very human. Even if you don't hold their theology, you probably do hold the practice of somebody here is to blame. It's, sometimes you blame yourself. You think his parents never blamed themselves? You think they didn't ever wonder, God, especially with this mindset in place already, God, did I do something? You ever felt that way? You ever been praying for your kids at night and go praying, what did I do? I don't understand. Where did that come from? You need to rest in the peace that they're just things that they aren't your fault. This was not his mother's fault. This was not his dad's fault. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't a fault. In fact, look at what Jesus says. Verse 3, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But 
This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. If you're this guy, I've always been fascinated by this. What would you hear? So you're there and you know, your other senses pick up. So he probably heard their conversation. And he hears these strangers. He doesn't know them. He hears these strangers asking this question. I don't know how he felt about this. This is the thing I've always wondered about. I've probably wondered about it in front of you before in talking about this text. That, you know, you wonder if he's sitting there going, hey, wait a minute. Or does he feel guilty? Maybe he perks up and it's like, well, I wonder what... He doesn't know Jesus either. I wonder what this teacher, this rabbi is going to say. Probably expects it to be the same kind of thing he's always heard before. Well, either you or your parents or who knows. could have been your grandpa. Somebody here did something wrong and these are the consequences. So maybe he felt bad. Maybe he was embarrassed. Whatever he felt, we don't know. But I bet he was listening. And then Jesus says what he says. This wasn't anybody's fault. This is not the result of his sin. It's not the result of his parents' sin. But something better. This happened, he says, so that the works of God may be displayed in his life. Some of you have people in your own family where there are things where the world would look at that and say, well, I wonder whose fault that was. And you need to know that God still works in the same way. That there are things about you and your life, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's you, where God is saying, no, I did that, or I allowed that, or... This happened, and I am going to work that out. Sometimes it's not even part of the great big master plan, but it is like with Joseph, what Satan intended for evil, God has now worked around for good. And God is sitting there saying, if you will just let me, I will use that to be not a fault, but instead to be a witness to the power and the working of God. Because this is what Jesus said this was. And Jesus is not a one-song wonder, is He? So He does this over and over and over again in different ways. In different ways. Some of us have gotten to, to see that sitting on the front row as it happens. It's incredible as God works in people's lives. It's not always physical maladies. I think even more powerful often is when you see people come back from the darkest side of their soul and brought by grace and by mercy and by compassion to strength and service to the Lord and joy. And He does that. And what people thought would write those individuals off turned out to be their greatest testimony to the grace and power of God. And this is what Jesus says is about to happen. All depends... Whether or not you see it, what kind of eyes you have. So you know the story. Jesus then spits and he, he makes mud there. If you don't know the story, you're going, you know, this is grosser Jesus than I understood. Sometimes, sometimes. I got my one gross thing from Jesus in this chapter, okay? That's where it all began. So, you know, I'm not saying blame Jesus because he doesn't want to take that. But, you know... There's, there's where it started. He spits in the mud. And this poor blind... I always think a poor blind man. He sits there and he hears... <coughs> That's never good. And then he... Then the ne not when it's followed by... <coughs> into your eyeballs. And then Jesus gives him the instructions. You know, he says, I want you to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Which I always think... 
I think that's what I would have done. Yes, I'm going to go wash my hands. But there's more to it than that, or wash my face. There's so much more to it than that because he doesn't go, you know it's true, he doesn't go just because his face is now gross. Why does he go? Faith, isn't it? If it was just because he's dirty, he wouldn't have gone so far. You don't go to the other part of town to wash your face when somebody puts spit and mud in your eyes. You get to the first bucket you come to. That might be dangerous on some of your farms. But you go to the first bucket you come to. Then what? You wash. He doesn't. He goes exactly where he was told to go. He goes to the pool of Siloam. He washes. And can you fathom? Use your imagination for a second what that must have been like as the mud comes off and light breaks in. For the first time ever. For the first time ever. And he can see. And he goes on his way and he's praising God. He doesn't know Jesus. He would only know Him if he heard Him. Because he's never seen Him before. So he could have walked by Him. We don't know. Jesus eventually finds Him. We know that. But he praises God and goes his way. And then what happens? Well, let's look. Look at around verse 13. Verse 13, it says, They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. I don't know who these they were. These are not the most helpful people in town. You don't, whenever you've just seen Jesus work a miracle on the Sabbath, say, we should show you to a Pharisee. That's, that's That's not smart. But that's what they did. So they take him there. And now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Which to us, just, you know, a Saturday. That, that, that shouldn't be bad. It was bad. They're going to get upset because they consider mud making to be work. You know, and he, he must have used both hands because anything with two hands. And of course, the guy now has to go wash and, you know, that takes two hands. And now they're in trouble. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He says, he put mud on my eyes. Well, that's a likely story. Why would that work? They get upset. He put mud on my eyes and I washed and now I see. So he just gives them through the eyes of faith all that he had experienced. That's what happened and this is what happened and now I see. And they say, what? Not good enough. And why did he do it then and all of this stuff? And they get all upset. Verse 17, they turned again to the blind man. Blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. And the man replies, he is a prophet. So he knows he's from God. They've already said, they're arguing among themselves, well, just any old sinner couldn't do this. True. But even though they confess that, he's got to be something other than just a plain old man and something other than just one of us sinners. They refuse to give Jesus credit. They refuse to believe and refuse to accept it. And they argue with the guy. Verse 18, they still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. So their, their conclusion is, you were blind, he puts mud in your eyes, you go wash it off, now you can see, you must be lying, you were never blind. These would have been great 21st century Americans. Because I think this is what we would have argued. If, well, if you couldn't see before and all he did was put mud in there, that... that Pardon the pun, but that doesn't wash. I think you're lying to us. You've got to be. You've got to be lying. You were never blind. Call this man's parents up here and let them come and tell us that he was blind. We don't believe he was blind to begin with. And I think that's where a lot of us would be. 
I'm not picking on us. I just think that's how skeptical we are. I think we would be right there. Well, this must be a scam. We see scams all over the place. Some of them really are. And so we're, we're a little jaded on things like this. We see people fake stuff like this sometimes. And so we would maybe be a lot like the Pharisees and have a lot of questions. And the questions weren't really, in the beginning, the problem. We kind of have to understand that it was, as religious leaders in their day and time, they needed to ask questions. They needed to investigate whether or not it was true. But they also needed to trust the evidence. And that's where we also are kind of like them sometimes. We don't always trust the evidence. We can see where people are saying, God is working in my life and it's changing. We can see the fruit. And we still will be so jaded and so doubtful that even as Christians we go, well, I know that God works, but I'm not sure God can work on you. Which is insulting. But sometimes that's what we do. And we become like them. Because that's the eyes of, I put judgment, I should have put judgmentalism, because there is a bit of difference, an important distinction. And we get judgmental, even of the work of God Himself. Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit, and we will see the fruit and still express nothing but doubt. Well, but that can't be God, because they didn't do it the way that I understand you're supposed to do it. Well, now wait a minute. Is God working through the person or not? Is He helping this person through their their trials or not? Is He healing them or not? Is He saving them or not? Just because He saved them in a building different from yours does not mean it's different. You know, whether it's the early church Christ, Austin Avenue Church Christ, or, or... Fourth and Stewart Church of Christ. I was trying to make one up and I went with a real street again. Uh, you get what I'm saying. It could even just say, you know, church. Not if it doesn't say of Christ. Wrong answer. Where God works, God works. Through whom God works, God works. You look at the evidence. Don't just take things for granted. Otherwise, you're gonna, you, it could say, it could have all the right markers. They could be good acapella Church of Christ people and be totally out to lunch and unfaithful to God. And you'll swallow everything they said because they put up the right little moniker on their building. You don't do that. Look at what's going on. Is God working? What is the fruit of what's happening? And if it's God at work, it's God at work. Use good judgment. Jesus actually said that two chapters before this. In John chapter 7, use right judgment. Don't be superficial. Use right judgment. But don't be cynical and judgmental so that you miss the power and the working of God as it happens. That's what happened to them and we don't, we don't want to be them. And it's far easier to let that happen in your life than any of us ever wants to admit. Okay? These were, in our vernacular, these were good church-going folks. Okay? We make them out to be Darth Vader in Jewish garb. They were good church-going folks who got it all wrong. Okay? Which we can, we can easily do. And so we need to be careful that we just don't fall into the exact same trap. Another set of eyes that you see, they said they were going to call the parents and see. Was he really blind from birth? And the parents show up and what do they say? They say, well... He was blind when he was born. That's all we know. 
So at least they give him that much. I would give him that much credit. Yeah, he was blind. That was testimony the Pharisees... Let me fix that. That was testimony the Pharisees needed to hear, but it wasn't all they needed to hear. The parents knew he had been healed. They knew better than anybody. How many sleepless nights? How many tears did they shed at his birth when they realized what was going on and why he wasn't responding? How many prayers had they offered? How many times did they blame themselves and offered prayers of repentance for sins they didn't commit that led to this? They knew, but they were scared. Can you relate to that? Have you ever seen God work and been afraid to admit it was God because it didn't fit with a certain way of looking at things? And you were afraid that if you said, God did this, that somebody might say, hmm, you're getting kind of touchy-feely out there. A lot of us have been there. Where you're afraid to talk about the work of God you see. Because somebody else might criticize even a testimony to the working of God. Where you yourself, you just self-censor. Well, I would say that that was God at work. Let me give you a good example. I was at a, a youth rally years ago. Uh, overall, really great youth rally. They had this great speaker from the Troy Church of Christ up in Troy, New York. It was awesome. Just didn't know how to tie his shoes. And it's like Paul in the third heaven sort of a thing. And uh, But I was at this youth rally. And on the way to the youth rally, and I did just almost fall off, just so you know, I really did just feel myself catch that and nearly went. Uh, at this youth rally on the way, there was one of the cars, they were in a wreck. Turned out that it, they were okay, but nobody was sure how bad the injuries were going to be. And so we stopped and we prayed for them right there in the youth rally like, good, like Christians should do. And the guy who led the prayer got up and, and led the prayer. Good friend of mine, I'm not picking on him. I'm just saying, this is how trapped we get. Okay? My friend gets up there and he's, he gets ready to pray. He said, and in his prayer, and I don't grade prayers, so if you lead prayers, I'm not sitting there grading you. This just stuck in my memory, okay? You're not talking to me when you pray. Hmm? Who are you talking to? That's, that's okay. We don't grade each other. Um, but it does kind of sometimes reveal our, our thoughts, and it reveals our theology, and, and sometimes it reveals not just that person's, but ours, right? So, I know that what he prayed is really common. And he prayed that God would would protect the person, but he stopped short, you know. He's, he's praying, God, would you please... And it's where a lot of people would have said, would you please heal them? Would you please work? Would you please... Whatever the situation was. I don't remember the exact injuries. And he stopped and said, would you please just make sure the doctors are skilled doctors and the nurses are skilled... I mean, I pray for that. Uh, skilled nurses. And he, he used a phrase, I can't remember the exact phrase, but it was something along the lines of, uh, we know you don't do miracles anymore, but if you could at least work through the doctor. Okay, now I know where that's coming from. A lot of you know where that's coming from. We pray that because we're afraid to say that God works beyond the skills of a human being. Let me just say it. God works through all of us. And I pray for people all the time that their doctors will have wisdom, 
that their doctors and nurses will have skill and will have compassion because their work is so important and they are the, the vessels through whom God is, is pouring His grace in that situation. We thank God for all those good ones. But I will also pray, and, and I know a lot of you will also pray, Lord, please work beyond the skills of those doctors. You know, probably nobody's praying that more than a lot of those doctors. He said yes. That was lightning or something. I don't know. Or I'm in big trouble. I don't know. It could go either way. God works so far beyond us, even while working through us. We are the mud and the spit. Okay? We're the mud and the spit. But He still used it. So we pray for those that God is using. But we should not allow ourselves to be so afraid that we look through the same eyes as these parents. Well, I can't say God did that. I can't say God would do that. I can't, I can't even pray that God would do that. Because. I'm sure you were talking about Saul earlier. I'm sure on the way walking there, he thought, not going to be like that with me. And then it was. Thank, thank you for that. Those were really good thoughts. Our God is, as we sing, an awesome God. And He is not limited by our conclusions. Is that not this story? Their conclusion was, God would never work through someone on a Saturday. If there was a message God intended the Sabbath rest to convey, that was never it. That was never it. It was never God takes a day off on Saturdays. Don't even bother trying to help each other. The message of the Sabbath was actually supposed to be stop working for yourselves. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And every Sabbath day, there should be no other focus but that. Not even work. They just totally missed that. It's like we can sometimes miss that. And then they made it even worse by ignoring the Messiah right there in their midst. Right there in their midst. The parents were so afraid of these guys and the criticism they might get by saying, yeah, God just healed our kid. That they wouldn't they wouldn't know the words. Have you ever been afraid to say, praise God? Have you ever been in a place where if you said that out loud, you got looks? What a shame. It's where they were. In the eyes of fear. This guy has a whole different outlook. Go home and read it. We don't have time. Go home and read it and look at his progression. At first he says, a man healed me. Then he says, well, he must have been a prophet because he has to be somebody who does incredible things in the name of God. And then we have this interaction at the very end. Jump down to verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and when, they, when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he says, well, who is he? And what else does he say? Who is he, sir? Tell me so I may believe in him. Because he's, he's seeing this guy and saying, if God does things like this, and if the Son of God does things like this, and if the Messiah is like this, sign me up. That's faith. It's looking at what God is doing 
instead of all your preconceived notions. What is God able to do? What is God actually doing? Rather than, what did I conclude God can do? We're going to limit Him every time. We're going to say, well, I could get better. I could get over this sin. I could get grow beyond it. But, God will remove all those things and help you right through them and strengthen you. There are people in this room who have overcome things. You have no clue. No clue. And they're a walking, living testament to what happened to this man happening again, just in spiritual terms and overcoming. happens over and over again. Tell me so that I may believe in Him. Verse 37, Jesus said, and this had to be so cool, you have now seen Him. In fact, He is the one speaking with you. Wow. You're talking to Jesus. You're talking to the Messiah. You're talking to the Son of God. What's His response? Lord, I believe. And why wouldn't He? What has He seen? What has He heard? The first person ever to talk about Him in a way that brings His dignity back and His parents' dignity back. The first person to ever see Him for Him. The first person to actually do something about it. And on top of that, through whom the power of God had been displayed in His life. Lord, I believe. He falls and He worships Him right there in the middle of everything. Well, that's just not decently in an order. Sure isn't. Did Jesus correct him and quote 1 Corinthians 14 to him? Well, good night. He didn't, did he? Isn't that something? Pharisees would have been good at that. He didn't. Instead, he says for judgment, he does. it's not all fluffy, by the way. For judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see. And those who see, those who think they see, will become blind. Some Pharisees were with him and heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Isn't that funny how they knew who he was talking about? Do you not? I find that hilarious. They're like, he's talking about us. Amen. I'm the, I'm, the blind man might have said, yes, he is. Because he's been having an argument with him now all day. Are we blind too? And he said, well, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. If you weren't so prideful, you would have what he has. If you weren't so prideful and stubborn, you'd be as free as He is now free. And what He's saying is, and I'm trying to give you that, but you're refusing. So, so far, yeah, you're stuck. What a shame that would be, wouldn't it? To be stuck in our sin, in our blindness, in our lostness. But we don't have to be. We come to Jesus. Let's pray together.